Welcome to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with your host, Sunjo Gall. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are strictly those of the host, guests, and callers. Now, here's Sunjo Gall. Hello, and welcome to this segment on CTN. To learn more, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. And the topic for today is Steps to Digital-Enabled Contract Lifecycle Management. And I have with me Peggy Chang-Barber, who's the America's CEO and the General Counsel for the International Association of Contract and Commercial Management, that is IACCM. Hi, Peggy. How are you? Great. Thank you, and it's a pleasure to be here. Definitely. And we'll also be joined shortly by Saugat Dutta, who's the CIO for TVS Supply Chain Solutions. But meanwhile, let's get started. Peggy, so the, just to set the stage, we have had discussions about contract management and contract lifecycle management also in the past, but it's been quite a few years. And now this new age of digital Things are changing fundamentally, whether you talk about how you work internally in a company or how you deal with your partners and ecosystem. And what has that done to the overall core systems, which could include these contract management and contract lifecycle management related business functions? Are we just digitizing paper? Are we going beyond and trying to use the latest and greatest technologies and processes to streamline things? Is it only about cost savings or are we able to take something which on the surface would look like just a back-end function, which is contract management, can we utilize that to in fact envision growth opportunities for an organization? We wanted to explore all of that and for that, the first question, towards that, the first question from for you, Peggy, is let's do a compare and contrast of what you saw contracts and the management of contracts-related activities a decade ago versus today. What's changing? Well, so I'll go back even further maybe a little bit. In the last 25 years, we've seen a major shift from procurement of really product, you know, um, goods and uh, to the buying of services. So in 1994, for example, over 80% of what corporations purchased were goods. Uh, fast forward to te- today, we see that over 55% of uh, corporate purchases are of services. So the shift to services has accelerated um, in the past decade, definitely, um, with the increase in outsourcing, offshoring, and then the advent of cloud, right? Many traditional goods are now being provided as a service. Today, many organizations don't actually even own IT equipment. They buy cloud-based infrastructure services. They don't license software, but instead they buy software as a service. So the shift to services means that we're looking at more longer-term relationships where we're expecting a material business outcome, which is different from really kind of purchase of those discrete goods. So as you look at contracts, they become more important in the overall process, but they become more complicated to close in some ways because we have to be far more precise about our requirements, the performance that we expect, the ability to make changes, to renew, to terminate, because they have a long-term and big impact to our environment. Um, but we need to balance that with the need for consideration of de- developing and growing long-term relationships with our customers, with our partners, with our suppliers, um, as well 
is really reaping the benefits of cloud and standardization, which includes those lower costs and faster deployment through a shared uh, environment. So, you know, our contracts, our negotiation strategy, how we manage contracts through closure need to be really adaptable to now a wide range of solutions and, and business needs. Uh, and what we're seeing is, unfortunately, you know, our research shows that most business users of contracts find them to be difficult, very, you know, in some cases impossible to understand. I'm sure you've heard that too, you know, so you know, they put these contracts, sometimes they, you know, they've done the deal and the right people haven't gone engaged and they're like, you know, just go get it done so we can move forward uh, with the deal. And the contracts just sit then in those, you know, proverbial drawers and, and they don't have um, a good sense of what the obligations are that they need to deliver to um, in the contracts to get the benefits that they um, they look So, you know, we're seeing through that shift in what people are actually buying for their environment, uh, a real need to change how you think about, you know, contracting. So, so the the question that you I had asked about the background, and you gave a very fascinating answer of how the functions have changed, in the sense the very initially you had commodities and things which you could very easily put maybe in a couple of pages a contract, but now when you're going to the services side, it's getting very involved. Totally Absolutely. see that. And and the question then comes, and which is an interesting uh, question to ask, even is the quality of the qualitative aspect of the contract negotiation or the very intent of the contract. Because earlier, very many hundreds of years ago, people used to just shake hands and that's how business used to happen. Exactly. Right. And so then we went and said, okay, let's put things in perspective. But do you think this contract management space, is it rooted in distrust or trust? Is it in well, uh, rooted in win-lose or win-win? Um, you know, so I think that trust is fundamental, and I do think that it is still missing in the vast majority of uh, contract negotiations, contract management. Um, as you really look at um, where we need to go, and also we'll talk, I'm sure, a little bit later about digitization uh, technology taking over some of the work that fundamentally gets done in contracting, you know, and, and the desire for speeding up contract closures and making things simple, uh, I think you'll see that we need to go in that collaborative trust um, down that path and that the pump companies that are really forward-leaning and looking at contract management have already realized that. They are thinking about how best to drive speed, to drive simplification, to drive transparency so that they can actually get the business's results that they're looking for. So uh, let's talk about the very aspect of compliance and the cost savings. Those on the surface are rather traditionally seen as places where we can make an impact if we did a good job with contract lifecycle management. But thinking in in today's digital terms or, or the expectations we all have is it's not just about same old, same old, squeeze the penny. It should be about what you could do with digital, changing the experience, which should eventually impact some sort of growth or top line revenue type of improvement. 
Do you think, is it a pipe dream to connect contract lifecycle management to growth? Oh, no, absolutely not. I think it's absolutely um, a growth could be a growth catalyst or a growth inhibitor. Uh, And I think many companies um, experience that. They may not actually see and tie it in that way, which I think they're starting to do. So as we in ICCM look at how you drive value in an organization, we focus on continuous improvement in people, process, technology. You hear this all the time for all business processes. And the contract lifecycle management process is really no different. Our research has shown that poor contracting practices through this CLM process uh, can result in value erosion of 9.2% of annual revenues of companies on average. And this number is huge. I mean, 9.2% of your annual revenue. So if you actually improve uh, your processes, you can, you know, reduce that number and actually take the money you've, uh, the value that you've uh, saved and, and actually, you know, contribute to growth. So if you think about that 9.2, you add that across all businesses, here's the opportunity, right? And it really takes, all it takes is really some thoughtful process steps to think about what data you have and how you can use that data to drive that continuous uh, improvement. Your your contracting processes and practices are robust. And if we look at, okay, in the process side, gather data to find gaps and friction points in your contracting process so you can take steps to figure out how best to drive that improvement. And you're supporting the people that you have in their training in increasing their contracting skills and competencies. And you're using, in order to get that data, really robust uh, technology to help you do that, you can reduce that 9.2 value erosion, get more value out of your existing contracts, and actually spend more time pursuing, closing, delivering on uh, new opportunities. So certainly, in my mind, you know, CLM can certainly help a company grow significantly. And like I said, the opposite is true. If we take a look at the public sector as an example, we recently completed a cross-jurisdictional and corporate benchmarking of procurement and contracting practices. It was commissioned by the Canadian government based on research um, that we did with our global membership base of public and private sector organizations. What we found was that complex contracts with complex contract management was really not making the government an easy uh, organization to do business with. And the result is that suppliers were just opting out of bidding on government procurement altogether because of the complexity, the red tape, you know, whatever the case may be. And this is even before they go into that tender negotiation and management phase. In that case, the market growth and competition are stifled, your innovation stalls, and, you know, value leaks and and everyone uh, suffers in that environment. Okay, so we have Sagat, uh, who has just joined us. Hey, Sagat, Dutta uh, is the individual who is the CIO of TV Supply Chain Solutions. Hey, Sagat, how are you? Hey, hi, Sanjuk. I'm fine, thanks. Great, great. Good great to have you. you. Yeah, so I think you must have uh, just listened to the last response from Peggy about how CLM, Contract Lifecycle Management, if done well, could actually help you in growth. So let's see, since you're the CIO of an organization, which I'm sure does a lot of contracts with a lot of different companies. Tell us about your experience 
about or, or, or so, how, uh, how your organizations see contracts and and their uh, importance in the way you run business and the way you grow business? So, uh, thanks, Ajit, and thanks, Peggy. I heard the, the conversation. Those were very valid points that uh, she did outline uh, while uh, she was mentioning. But uh, as uh, you have rightly mentioned, yeah, contracts have become... Uh, very essential to bring in the transparency within the organization. So within our organization, we feel that, you know, there were a lot of uh, transparency which was missing earlier. It was due to a specific set of people, individuals, and then, you know, it used to become a bit difficult. So with uh, uh, CLM coming in place, uh, we have seen there has been a significant amount of uh, transparency that has come into that organization. And also, you know, there is a control that a CFO can uh, make based on certain decisions that a CLM captures in terms of certain data points. So these are two things that I would like to add to what Peggy had mentioned, uh, and that's about it. Okay, so so that said, so coming back to you, Peggy, when we are trying to look at that erosion which you mentioned, nine point two percent, if I were if I remember it correctly, could you attribute that to certain specific areas which were not tackled properly when contract lifecycle management was suboptimal? So I think we have, um, we certainly have done research in the 10, you know, and come up with 10 pitfalls to avoid in contracting um, that um, that we have really put out there since, I think it's, it's been out there since 2015. And some examples are uh, things like um, you're negotiating over, are you negotiating over the right issues? Are you bringing people in, stakeholders, the negotiation teams, and the right people in? at the right time, is there proper handover um, when you've negotiated what you need to to the people who actually need to deliver? Is there is there understanding and clarity of understanding of what is actually the outcome that's um, that's desired and what has been agreed to in terms of the the requirements of what you need to do to get there? Is that being measured um, effectively during the post contract process? And is the data that you're getting getting um, through, are you gathering the data in terms of performance, in terms of are you negotiating issues that really don't matter in the post-contract? Are you spending a lot of time doing that, which slows down your revenue, slows down your ability to bring right solutions into your environment? All of that slows down and and, uh, either slows down the process of, of getting business done or erodes your ability to get to the actual outcome that you want, which contributes significantly to that uh, 9.2% erosion. It's all the value you could get if you had it uh, operating the way that it should. So, uh, Sagat, when you have attempted, so I'm I'm sure you did not just uh, get started with contracts, but have you actively or intentionally gone after optimizing this process? Because you could keep it very paper-based and not, even if it's electronic, the workflow could be very ad hoc. Is that an area of focus when you're trying to streamline the business and not just because you want to automate things and and just like a, a typical IT function, but more so looking at it strategically because it has a direct impact on how 
quickly you get some contracts done, but also more importantly, how you create a win-win type of an environment among your partner ecosystem. Yeah. So, Sanjeev, uh, uh, as you rightly mentioned, uh, we are a supply chain consulting as well as a 3PL uh, organization. So, for us, most of the OEMs, they outsource the business to us based on the fact that we would be having better negotiation power with some of the suppliers, the, the, the direct purchases and the indirect purchases that we do on behalf of our customers, uh, those would be significant. So for us, it's all the more important to have a robust workflow in place. That is one thing. The second part of it is to gradually digitalize it. Having said that, today if you ask me, we are still streamlining certain processes, integrating the uh, complete procurement process as well as the finance process and ensuring that because uh, over the last couple of years, we have been growing enormously. So a lot of systems were being, disparate systems were being used. The first of all was to have one common ERP and one common financial accounting system. Once we laid the foundation, then we started focusing on uh, our contract lifecycle management application, which would typically help us identify the loopholes and plug in those loopholes by have getting the visibility of the direct as well as indirect spend and also improve the bottom line because any money spent within the organization and if you are able to save that, track that, save that and then uh, pass on the benefits at times to the customer because some of the engagements that we have with our customers are typically skewed towards, you know, a gain share model, wherein we take up the complete uh, supply chain or the logistics uh, for our customers and then we try to optimize that. And, and one of the key aspects to optimizing it is through a smart contracting. So earlier, when we were doing this and when the processes were manual and the system, there were disparate systems, uh, the same contract was existing with one of our uh, sister concerns, the same contract was existing uh, the, with the same vendor, different contracts were existing. So, you know, we didn't have any visibility. Gradually, what we decided is to have one common ERP and then one common contract lifecycle management application that will help us integrate this whole thing, bring all the vendors. We did a project uh, in that whole area to ensure that, you know, uh, some of these vendors and some of these contracts are getting consolidated and then through this consolidation, we arrive or the, derive the significant benefits that we have to do. So that is how we have been doing it. And having said that, this is one of the areas uh, or one of the business lines for us wherein we you know, do a buy and sell for some of our customers, the indirect purchases for uh, some of our customers in US and, the Euro and Europe. We do some indirect purchases or indirect procurement on their behalf uh, the vendors have also suggested or nominated uh, by us and we take a buy-in from our customers because we have taken over the complete supply chain on their behalf and we act as a 4PL for them. So all these things add to a different business line for us and also ensure that we are able to 
derive the designated results or the aspired results that we would like to do so i think it is definitely helping us but having said that it's a journey that we have taken and we we are expecting some significant returns uh, down the years from now Let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back. And when we come back, Peggy, I'd love to start with you on exploring or rather inventorying the top new candidate areas that we should be looking at in terms of rethinking contract lifecycle management given the new brave digital world we live in. What does that mean? What does digital mean in this space? And what are the opportunities for us to cash on? So please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back. Predict your company's future by creating it. Is your workforce able to connect, exchange ideas, and share brilliance simply and securely? Create tomorrow, today. Empower your people to innovate anytime and anywhere with secured BlackBerry Enterprise mobility management and document sharing solutions. To learn more, visit blackberry.com forward slash enterprise. Patient-centered care requires a connected enterprise. Are you ready? If you're looking to scale your healthcare IT efforts, visit redmain.com forward slash health today. Whether it's to connect data from multiple partner solutions or developing software for unique needs, Redmain can help. To find out how Redmain can help your company deliver on the patient-centered care promise, visit redmain.com forward slash health or call 773-693-3919. Visit today. Your growing business needs a highly productive workforce, effectively communicating and collaborating without exposing corporate data to cyber attacks. Are you looking to balance security and workforce productivity? Move beyond short-term measures and securely scale your business with BlackBerry Enterprise Mobility Management Solutions. To learn more, please visit blackberry.com forward slash enterprise. Listening to CTN CIO Talk Network with Sunjo Gall. To learn more about our program, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. So, Brave New Digital World, and we're talking contract lifecycle management. Given Peggy, your organization talks to quite a few uh, companies and helping them figure out how they could harness the value of digital. What's on the table today for us to grab? You know, there's there's a lot um, out there, and I think that you know, technology over the past um, really ten years has exploded in the contracting space, and that's all because of I think a, a, a true recognition in the value of the underlying data that now resides in our contracts that can be used for a wide variety of of um, business purposes within and outside of of improving the contract lifecycle management. Um, space. So if you think about, um, you know, what was just discussed in terms of um, with digitizing, digitizing contracts just to be searchable, making sure that they're all in the same database, you know, those are things that, you know, are now, 
you know, things that everybody knows are standard. But if you really look back and consider why you enter into contracts in the first place and how you want digitization, automation, and the like to really help you achieve those goals, you really should look at how um, the transactions that you have, what you what you use them for, how you know uh, risky are there in you, your environment, and your ultimate goals for them. So we see in, uh, if we look at transaction types uh, that are typical in the, uh, in the environment, there are some purchases that are really critical, but they are low risk, high volume, for which you are really driving that speed to contract and ease of doing business. I mean, I think everybody wants those, but in those situations, you are going to look at that a whole lot more. So you would look at um, things like can we do this um, type of contracting with a lower touch or no touch? Uh, that's certainly one of the conversations um, being had is how do you enable businesses to close contracts without the need to engage a whole lot of other people in the in the space where they can really run and manage those themselves. Um, if you look at how to, again, drive that speed, um, we need contracts actually to be really simple, market competitive, and supported by, again, technology and digitalization that and processes that drive that continuous improvement. So you look at, you know, are you negotiating your clauses um, and um, which ones are you negotiating the most heavily? Should you be? Are they the, we have a report that talks about really where people negotiate most heavily and what disputes actually happen um, at the end of a, um, at the end of, you know, after contract execution in that delivery phase. Are you matching those to see where you should be paying attention and spending your time up front in the negotiations? Are your templates you know, the best that they can be, are they benchmark, are they market competitive? So when you digitize, as you look at, you know, digitizing your contracts, are you just turning them into electronic format that you can search, in which case they don't do as much for you as if you actually look at that data and use that um, to figure out where you should spend your time. And, you know, I focus on the lower end part of the, you know, kind of lower risk transactions, but simplification is something that you should want to do for your highly strategic um, transactions as well because they drive clarity and enable those who actually manage your relationships long-term to actually use contracts to achieve the intended outcome. As I mentioned before, many people who are actually in the delivery phase don't don't use contracts. They don't actually know what it says, in which case it's, you know, we're spending a lot of time putting documents together that can really help the business. And so the question is how you actually structure those contracts to be simple, to be fit for purpose. And then, you know, digitalization actually can help drive uh, a lot more of the results that you're looking for. So, Sagat, when you look at, uh, based on what Peggy mentioned as the areas where we could leverage digital to enhance value from contract lifecycle management, what additional opportunities for value creation have you been able to identify as you look at your business? Yeah. So, a couple of points that I have. So, I think Peggy has already covered that, you know, the contract 
Peggy, when you are to look at one, you, of course, mentioned about the opportunities where it can really create value. But let's also then talk about the chronic areas which we have always struggled with when it comes to CLM. Which are those? And also, besides that, looking at the opportunity of what digital brings, what are some of those areas which we can fundamentally reset and rethink so that we get over those humps? You know, I think, you know, as as we look at contract life cycle management, I think one of the the actual real challenging part of it is that it is usually done in silos, right, in different groups that do different things, and they don't link um, well together. And so, um, no, in most organizations, there's not one group that owns the end-to-end contract life cycle management or end-to-end contracting process even before you get to management of, of the, the deal post-separation. So how to actually bring it all together is one of the, the key challenges that um, organizationally before you even get to digitalization. Um, and uh, when we talk about then, you know, chronic areas that, that we need to focus on, there's also the link of the contracting process process to actually your overall objectives and strategy of the company. So many times I think um, one of you made the comment that, you know, I mean, contract life cycle management considered a back office um, function, and so it often just sits kind of in that silo all by itself. And so as it as you look at you know, uh, areas, we can talk specifically about, okay, is it in the negotiation phase? Is it in the deal setting up phase? Is it in the management phase? But one of the first things is, do people who are in that process, do you know even who they all are, first of all? And do they understand what they do tie to 
the success of the business, the 9.2% and, and all of those, you know, conceptually, do they understand that what they do matter um, significantly um, and contribute to that greater good? So I think we need to start first with how this particular contract lifecycle management process ties to the company and ties to other things and then leverage that data that we can get, objective data rather than anecdotal uh, data to make decisions on how to drive to the objectives. So if you take, for an example, a company that is absolutely committed to, you know, ease of doing business, they're out there in the market talking about how, you know, they want to be a company that is trusted, they want to be a company to be you know, to, to uh, be great um, to do business with um, in terms of its mission, its brand, but then its contracts are long, they're difficult to understand, um, and their ne- negotiation tactics just really drive third parties, you know, um, insane. So if you want to know and you want to transform your company, so you step out of just looking at contracting but looking at the goal of your company, your contracting strategy and your contracting approach and how you actually approach dealing with third parties should reflect that um, and, and how you want to be perceived. It is not separate and independent uh, and will not be allowed to be going forward as we move more to a, that relationship um, role. So looking at, you know, just at least a survey of, you know, opinions of the third parties you deal with, your internal business teams, your teams that actually do contracting, uh, and your legal functions, your procurement functions and the like will give you a good idea of where you may have, again, gaps and friction points that need to be considered as a priority. Companies are different. Every company has a different uh, set of, of concerns, but there are two that typically you know, come come up frequently. One is it takes too long to get things done, and the second one is it, you know, the business objectives that we really intended to achieve were not were not achieved, and why were they not achieved? So those are always the areas people are like, it takes too long, and I didn't get what I want, right? So if that's part of what you're trying to do. You really can't get to the right solution to address that unless you answer some really basic questions like, where are you seeing the delays? Is it the approval process, the negotiation process, the signature process? And if the delay is, let's say, in the negotiation process, are your team members using the wrong template? In which case, maybe the solution is a decision tree. Let's make it a simple decision tree. You can automate that, go in, put your deal in, and then it can help you direct it, direct you to the right template to use. Or you're negotiating the wrong issues and the set, or the same issues over and over, you know, maybe leveraging our research um, on top pitfalls to avoid or our contracting principles, which define, intended to define kind of fair positions on frequently negotiated issues like liability, indemnity, ownership, audit, privacy, and, and the like that, you know, are typically coming up, but then some of them don't make a big difference when you are managing the relationship and you know you're going to end up at the same place almost every single time, right? And, you know, uh, some companies haven't looked at their templates for years in terms of whether it is reflective of what they're selling today or market competitive in terms of what they're selling today. So taking the time to benchmark your terms against the market, you know, could really help you identify areas that would be most specific to you and the biggest bang for for your buck. 
Sagat, you want to add to the list of anything that you've seen uh, which you struggle with and or what you have, if fixed, has really given you uh, a quantum boost in this space? So, uh, yeah, sure. So, in, in our organization, we, I mean, and I would say that most of the organizations which are into some of these uh, small contracting, so, so the end objective is to bring in simplify, uh, simplification, standardization across the views so that, you know, with the help of, once we have the uh, processes laid thoroughly, then it is just a matter of implementing the right application towards it. So these two things actually play a critical role because uh, most of the times we'll see that, you know, the majority of the productive hours are gone in going through certain documents, uh, overlooking some of the important clauses that are required for the contract and towards the end of it, the regret as to why these points were missed out in this whole contracting. So for me, the simplification and the standardization are the key aspects wherein, you know, a smart contracting would actually help bring in the efficiency. So the next step, what we are looking at here is, okay, you have a tool or you're going to use some technology, but let's look at the underlying processes. Peggy, would you say that there are certain low-hanging fruits in the way the whole contract uh, lifecycle management is handled or different elements of that are handled? And, and there is inertia because of which people don't change the way they look at things, the processes and workflows, which you feel they should be going and tackling first. And and that could have a huge impact on how subsequent use of digital technologies would be most effective. Yes. Yeah, so I, I think that's a, a really great question. I mean, I, I do think that many people look at technology as, as a... Um, as a solution, um, but they haven't quite defined the problem yet in their environment and or they know that there's a general problem, but they haven't actually gotten to the root cause in order to find the right and the best solution for the, the challenge that they have. And so, you know, in as you look at, you know, we go back to the, the people, the process, and, and then the technology that support you, right? Technology really should, and digitalization, all of that should really be a support for the process and the people that you have. And so it, in my mind, is critical to understand where your biggest gaps are in your environment. And we can make some generalizations across all, which, you know, I think I did earlier a little bit in terms of, hey, you can look at your, um, you can look at speed and why are things taking so long. We can talk about why am I not getting that business outcome. It really could be simply that nobody's looking at your contracts, 
right? Nobody is using it. It's not designed to be used. It's written. Uh, the right people weren't involved in actually crafting it. They're not involved in actually in the handover process. There isn't a handover process. Um, and then, you know, there's no tracking to outcome. So, you know, one of the biggest bang for your buck in some case, in some sense, is how do you drive to speed so you can free up time to go do things that are to pursue new opportunities or to manage uh, the opportunities you have to achieve the results you want or even better results. And then secondly, to actually have people who understand what you negotiated so that they can actually manage to that. Those are two very basic low-hanging fruits. You, you know, if you don't measure, you know, you don't get, right, uh, the result that you're looking for. So, and if you don't tell people what you're measuring, then you're very unlikely to get that result. So, Sargat, when you are looking at the people side, I will, we'll take a quick yeah. break, but when we come back, I wanted to set the stage. Uh, when we look at the processes, like uh, Peggy mentioned about specific areas where they should fix the processes part or rethink them. People become an interesting area for us to tackle because, again, there's inertia or there's a mindset and not only just people from our organization, but the very other parties that we are dealing with. How do we deal with the people side of things when we are talking about CLM? Please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back and explore. Predict your company's future by creating it. Is your workforce able to connect, exchange ideas, and share brilliance simply and securely? Create tomorrow, today. Empower your people to innovate anytime and anywhere with secured BlackBerry Enterprise mobility management and document sharing solutions. To learn more, visit BlackBerry.com forward slash enterprise. Patient-centered care requires a connected enterprise. Are you ready? If you're looking to scale your healthcare IT efforts, visit redmain.com forward slash health today. Whether it's to connect data from multiple partner solutions or developing software for unique needs, Redmain can help. To find out how Redmain can help your company deliver on the patient-centered care promise, visit redmain.com forward slash health or call 773-693-3919. Visit today. Your growing business needs a highly productive workforce, effectively communicating and collaborating without exposing corporate data to cyber attacks. Are you looking to balance security and workforce productivity? Move beyond short-term measures and securely scale your business with BlackBerry Enterprise Mobility Management Solutions. To learn more, please visit blackberry.com forward slash enterprise. You are listening to CTN, CIO Talk Network with Sunjo Gall. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to uh, the show here, folks. Uh, so, Sagat, uh, we did speak a little bit about the, the processes and where we have to rethink and reset, but all of that would, frankly, fall down on its face if our people were not on board and or are not keeping up with the enthusiasm and the focus they should have to fix this area 
in the interest of business where the business needs to go. If there is anything not in alignment, then all of these efforts are just spinning our wheels. How do we prevent that? And what are your people issues that you feel you have to tackle before we can move forward? Yeah. So, Santok, my experience is that for any tech implementation, the ground rule still remains the same. You know, it's a people process and technology. So, having said that, people aspect is one of the most critical and uh, aspect of it. And uh, you have talked upon this point very well. And the question is also quite interesting. So, so the people aspect, as you have rightly mentioned, so many folks do not like some of these things getting implemented because that would bring in a lot of visibility within the organization. And, you know, the questions would start coming up. Earlier, due to all the manual contracts that were prevalent in place, a lot of these things were getting hidden. But uh, with uh, the advent of technology and with implementation of the right CLM, I, you know, the, the right stakeholders would start to ask questions based on the data that is getting captured within the system. So having said that, this is a slight change management trick. And uh, I strongly feel that there has to be a strong sponsor within the organization to drive this. And because he or she would understand the uh, business benefit of implementing a CLM and how, you know, a smart contracting will add to the bottom line uh, of any organization. So, so it ha- it, it's a change management process, but uh, somewhere in the middle management as well as at times I've seen that uh, towards, towards the users who are, who are doing this contracting, uh, there has been some resistance, but uh, we can do these implementations ha- once we have the buy-in from the right stakeholders and also incentivize some of these initiatives within the organization. This has worked well for some of the implementations that we have done, and I- I'm, I'm open to hear some other uh, comments from Peggy as well on this. Yeah, so- I you know I love this this. Um, topic of people because it's 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 interesting you know kind of human nature being what it is we're comfortable with what we know and so you know we often find people who have been in and doing contracting work they come from all sorts of backgrounds but then they get you know they get comfortable in this environment because it is very complicated it's very interesting things are always changing you're having to figure things out and sometimes people forget that just by working in an environment long enough to get comfortable, that means you're an expert in that environment. It doesn't actually mean that you're an expert in contracting or that your what you're doing today will always be valued tomorrow. So one of the biggest challenges and complaints we hear are, again, things are slow. And why are they slow? Sometimes it's because we're used to doing the same things over and over. And as we look at the digital age, I mean, the reality is that repetitive activities will be replaced by automation. That is that is a fact. It is going to happen. So how do you support your people in that transition first to help them understand where automation will fit into their life, not necessarily replace everything that, that they do, but that they will actually benefit from what automation will bring to them because it will actually help them do their jobs better, more effectively, and, and actually turn them to uh, work that will be more interesting. 
And if you think about just, um, you know, what they need, what are the increasing skills, we are focusing a lot more on the soft side of the skills, the people, the organizational culture, the leadership and collaboration that is necessary. Um, I think a couple of things, I think it's the Organization for Economic and Cooperation and Development is predicting that 40% of jobs will be eliminated uh, based on automation. So we need to prepare people for that eventuality. They may be scared, but prepare them for to be more comfortable with technology, to using technology, and then also um, I think it's the World Economic Forum that um, calls out the need for people to be problem solvers and have collaboration skills. And those are things that if you're a good professional in this contracting space, you already have that. So it is just a matter of figuring out how to, you know, um, especially as we move into a more digital, you know, data-driven uh, world and relationship-building world, those skills will become more important and we need to support people in their journey in getting not only contracting skills, but those other skills and the ability to work with data, and they don't all have to be data scientists. Uh, they just have to be comfortable in trying to figure out and ask the right questions of what the data can get them. Um, and so I think this whole helping people through this, there's a great future ahead. Um, and it's just a matter of how to get them uh, and get their hearts and mind there. Uh, I would just like I think uh, one of the most valid points that she has mentioned over here is to collaborate. So that is across the organization, across the levels. That is one of the key things uh, which would play a critical role in this people aspect of it. If people start collaborating, you know, half, half of the job is done. Most of the, the most difficult part is to make them collaborate across India, yeah. organization, across uh, different departments within the same organization or at times different organizations under the same group. And I think, you know, it's really interesting that we have people who, because of the complexities of our internal environments, especially in large corporations or in government, know how to get things done. And they need to turn that thought into what I'm doing is actually, you know, getting things done, or am I doing it in a collaborative way, and then also turn that externally um, and thinking about the benefits of collaborating and, and jointly achieving goals. It's a, I think they, most people already have that skill in having to kind of learn in this environment. They need to kind of turn that, uh, the thought of that in a bit to, you know, deal with and, and just understand the realities of where we're going. So, given that both of you, of course, emphasize that the people side is very important, but one quick thing I wanted to touch on is the leadership. So, people below would, in a way, emulate or follow the leaders at the top. What kind of leadership environment or rather leadership style would lead you to get your core functions like contract lifecycle management and like maybe even take, say, general counsel? who I think that's the role that you played, Peggy, for many years. Yes. And uh, also the IT leaders who will be leading the charge from an IT side because digital is involved, and your operational leaders. What kind of leadership style should they exude for this to work? 
this contract lifecycle management to get to where it is supposed to. Sagat, very quickly, 30 seconds. What would that leadership uh, style look like? I would say a collaborative leadership style would help. Having said that, there have, has to be some certain checks and balances. If suppose that is not working well, then I think, you know, uh, at times you have to be autocratic as well. Okay, that's that's a good direct input that you're giving. And Peggy, what about your thoughts on that front? I, I agree with, you know, leaders need to learn and be able to exhibit that they can collaborate with others. They can collaborate collaborate with their colleagues, they can collaborate with people on uh, in other companies, but they also need to exhibit their belief in whatever the cultural, you know, whatever the strategy is for the company. Again, if the brand, the strategy is simplification, they need to embody that and they need to support that throughout their organization and make that a priority. And one final question for you, uh, Peggy, if we are to move forward with this, given that CLM is the space that you live in and, and you evangelize doing it better, what's ahead of the curve that we should be ready for? Wow, what's ahead of the curve? There are, um, it, it really is about all of the tremendous um, value that you can get from data that will change behavior for the future, trust, collaboration, those are all the things that we talk about, but we don't quite get there. And the fact that you have automation and data um, and people who are using it now in ways that you would not, um, you would not believe, um, I think the, you know, you really do need to, as a company, embody that trust, collaboration, transparency to get to the end goal of having that successful organization. I think that's, you know, that is the future in terms of what data and uh, digitalization automation will get you is the data you need to then drive trust uh, and long-term business success. On behalf of the show and our listeners, thanks so much, Sagat and Peggy, for sharing our insights on how organizations can fundamentally rethink their processes and workflows, work with the people, and help them see the value of how contract lifecycle management can help them reduce the leakage, which was 9.2%, if I remember correctly, Peggy, and then, of course, use the technology in the best way possible, introduce it in different aspects of how contract lifecycle management is to be uh, enabled digitally to get the most value. So thanks so much again. Thanks, Sogat, and thanks, Peggy. Thank you. Thank you so much, Sanchez. Thanks, Peggy. Good day to you. And, Thank you, and uh, listeners, yeah. uh, please like us on Facebook. Search for CTN, CIO Talk Network, and be sure to follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn. Thank you again for listening to this segment on CTN. This is Sanjog All, your talk show host. Till next week, take care and God bless. Thank you for tuning in to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with your host, Sunjo Gall. To learn more about our program or for show archives, comments, or questions, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. Thank you again for listening.